0: Hey, welcome to Preaching in the Crimson Kingdom, the podcast of First Christian Church of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. This is Tim Trussell-Smith, the senior minister at First Christian. I'm uh, very happy that you've uh, decided to listen today. Uh, this is the sermon from first uh, Sunday in Advent, December 1st, 2019. Uh, it's uh, based on text from Jeremiah. Uh, it talks about the days to come. Surely the days will come, says the Lord. Um, when righteousness and justice will uh, be the way of the land. And we're a long way from that, which is why we need Christmas and why in Advent we need to be looking truly at what's going on around us to appreciate the light of Christmas that is coming. So what are you hoping for this Christmas? Are you looking forward to seeing the whole family together? Is there something you've been saving up for as a Christmas present to yourself? So, my father in law does. He has some gadget he wants, and it's his Christmas present to himself. Will there be a tray of holiday cookies on the counter? My girls uh, are not really hoping for a huge pile of presents because their grandparents, great grandparents, several childless aunts and uncles, godparents, and friends who are like family. Because of them, they know there will be a pile of presents, a literal wall built around the tree. So they're not hoping for Christmas, they're expecting that at Christmas. Four years ago, when Emmy was four and Edie was one, they actually got tired of opening presents. You've gone overboard when the children get tired of opening presents. Anyway, what are you hoping for, or maybe more expecting, this Christmas? Decorations? Christmas music? Do you keep the Hallmark Channel on at all hours during December? Will you do some traveling? We're going to go pick out a six-foot tree from the YMCA men's fundraiser as soon as we can. I've got eggnog in the fridge already. We watched Elf a few weeks ago, the best Christmas movie of all time, don't even try to argue with me. What are you hoping for? Singing carols? Gingerbread? Fruitcake and cider? Ugly sweaters? And how do you find the time, with all those wonderful things, to focus on the fact that it isn't Christmas yet? It's Advent. I'm having a hard time with that. I always do. And I'm not really apologizing for it. I love the holiday season. I love Christmas, both the cultural holiday, but also as a follower of Jesus, Um, hopefully more so a follower of Jesus, the birth of God into the world in the form of a helpless poor baby to a mother and father forced to be far from their home. A baby who's literally born with the wrath of a king, the soldiers of a king seeking him out. That story inspires me. The mystery of the incarnation, God made flesh, God born into the darkness. It's one of the ideas in our faith that I find the most beautiful. Oh, and the music, all of it. bean Crosby, Gregorian chants. I was listening to a Celtic Christmas album while I wrote this sermon. Did I mention we're doing an online devotion about Christmas carols? Sign up for that. It's going to be fun. But see, I have a hard time staying here in Advent. I want Christmas to come. When I was little, I would tell my mom, I wish I could just sleep for a month and wake up on Christmas morning. The wait is agonizing, the wait is excruciating, and that was even before I knew, before I grew up, and the holiday season took on all the toil and trouble too. There is so much to do, so much, and the holidays aren't easy for everyone, we have to remember that. Sometimes the festive celebrations, the happy people gathering, only make it harder to bear the hurt or sadness in our lives, especially loss or things we long for but don't have. It's especially hard to grieve or to be depressed during the holidays because the state of your mind and your heart seems so out of step with the rest of the world. And that's the trouble with jumping into Christmas so quickly and the trouble with the so-called Christmas creep. I actually have no problem with decorations being put up before Thanksgiving. Remember, I love Christmas. To quote that greatest Christmas movie of all time, Elf, treat every day like Christmas. That's a great approach to life. You hear people say, why can't we act like it's Christmas all the time? I don't know, I try to have the same spirit, but It's hard to sustain that joy. Maybe that means we shouldn't be forcing it so much. Or maybe we do need a specific season to focus on that aspect of life the joy, the celebration. Maybe it means that those of us in the church who divide the year into seasons are onto something. Because remember, Tim, it's Advent. Not Christmas. We need a few days of joy and light and fun. But we also need days to get ready. We need days to sit and wait. As hard as that is to do. Maybe because it is hard to do. Maybe that's why we need it. We have four weeks before we get to Christmas. Four weeks with the wreath and the purple hangings. Four weeks of hearing from the prophets. From Jeremiah this morning. From Isaiah next week. From Mary, yes, she's a prophet. Very, very much a prophet. And then the other Zechariah. Not the prophet with a book in the Hebrew Bible. This Zechariah is Mary's cousin by marriage the father of John the Baptist, we'll hear him on the Sunday before Christmas. We'll hear from these four prophets about a new thing that is coming but hasn't yet arrived. We have four weeks to actually stop and say, it's not Christmas yet. And maybe if we can find some time to do that in the midst of all these good things we've got going on during the holiday season, we can start to understand what we really mean by the hope of Christmas. Because Christmas is coming, sometimes we feel like we can't wait for it. Other times, this season feels like we're standing on the railroad tracks, on a bridge, and we just heard a whistle behind us. Because it is surely coming, like Jeremiah says in today's scripture. That's beautiful. What a hopeful word for us today. But the thing I want you to know about this passage is that hope is actually really weird to hear in Jeremiah. There's lots of little nuggets we pull out that are so beautiful and hopeful. But Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. Jeremiah is traditionally said to be the author of the Book of Lamentations. Jeremiah complains over and over that the only words God gives him to speak are the bitter words. He asks to be able to say hopeful and joyous things to his nation, but those chances are few and far between for him. And it's even weirder to hear these words here in this place in the scriptures than that. Because Jeremiah speaks these words of hope while he's surrounded by despair. He speaks these words in a prison cell. He's been thrown in there for prophesying the doom of Jerusalem. He's told people that Jerusalem is going to fall to a foreign army. And it's actually not that amazing a prophecy, because that foreign army is literally camped around the walls of Jerusalem right now, while he's speaking. So Jeremiah is hemmed in. He's literally trapped, first by the walls of this room he's confined in by the king's soldiers, then the walls of the city that trap him with thousands of starving desperate people, and a king who doesn't know what to do, and finally surrounded by the army of King Nebuchadnezzar, a military machine that does this for a living. And this is exactly what Jeremiah has been telling the people of his nation. These words from chapter 6 are more his norm. This is what the Lord Almighty says, "'Cut down the trees,' and build siege ramps against Jerusalem. This city must be punished. It is filled with oppression. As a well pours out its water, so she pours out her wickedness. Violence and destruction resound in her. Her sickness and wounds are ever before me. Take warning, Jerusalem, or I will turn away from you and make your land desolate so no one can live in it but they did not take the warning. They did not stop their oppression of the poor and the weak. Jeremiah sees the city running down the road to destruction. They are on the train tracks, coming to a bridge and Jeremiah hears the whistle, but the king and the other leaders don't just ignore him. They punish him for trying to warn them. So this is the place where Jeremiah is waiting. Lord, why can't I speak words of hope? He asked over and over, why am I weeping and waiting for doom? But now, God says, in one of the darkest, most confined places you can imagine, God says, speak these words of hope to Judah. Tell my children I still have a plan. That's the place we find ourselves in so often in our lives. We look around and we see how broken this world is. All we have to do is turn on the news or click Google and say what's happened lately or pick up the paper and we know the kind of news we're going to hear, right? Is it as bad as Jeremiah's news in 587 BC? Probably not quite, but it sure feels like it's getting close at times. And that's why we need Advent. We've always needed Advent. Because the world isn't turning terrible. The world isn't newly terrible. The world has always been terrible. People have done terrible things for our entire history. Not to mention famine, hurricanes, earthquakes, disease. That's why we can't just jump into Christmas. That's why God didn't give Jeremiah the words of hope at first. Because the truth needed to be told. And the truth isn't pretty. If we light the candles and hang the lights and drink eggnog and ignore the realities of this world, then we are not going to experience the true hope of Christmas. Now, don't get me wrong. We can do those things. I'm going to do those things. I'm going to go home and pour a glass of eggnog and listen to Bing Crosby or Sufjan Stevens or someone's Christmas album. But if we do those things in ignorance to escape what's true then we failed. In fact, if we do those things, when we celebrate, celebration can be a form of resistance to the evil and darkness around us. Joy isn't a bad thing, but we can't mask the pain of life. We can't ignore reality. We have to acknowledge that this world is a world that needs Christmas. Ours is a world that needs Christmas desperately, not to make us happy, but to save us. That's what Jeremiah says in verse 16. In those days, Judah will be saved. And that word saved in Hebrew is Yahshah. And 500 years after Jeremiah, 500, almost 600 years There's a new dialect of Hebrew. Language changes, right? This is longer ago than the King James Version. So that's how much language changes. And so words sound different. And now that word is similar. It has the same meaning. But the word is yesha. Not yesha, but yesha. And there was a very common name at the time based on that word. That means God saves. Yeshua. And if you say it more Hebrew like it sounds like Yeshua Jesus Judah will be saved there will be a righteous branch there will be a king who brings justice and a priest who leads the people in true worship the angel told Mary the prophet Mary to name her baby, Yeshua, and he will be God with us in the darkness because he was born in darkness. He was born in a stable of all places. He was born with a price on his head. That's the world he was born into, and yet, that's where we find the hope of Christmas. What are you surrounded by? What train whistle do you hear over your shoulder? What hope do you need this Advent? I encourage you, and I'm going to encourage myself to enjoy the season and celebrate in the face of the darkness, but also to sit with Advent to sit with the darkness, some at least, over these next four weeks. Because without the darkness, we won't get to see the light grow. Amen.